Well, as we saw this week, uh, there, this has been a, a week of disruption. And when disruption happens, it is so important that we think about who we are. Who are we truly in these moments? And one of the things that perhaps was most disturbing for us in the Christian faith, watching the events unfold on Wednesday, was watching the unique way in which the name of Jesus and Christian symbols were being pulled into uh, an, an insurrection. Watching the way that people carrying crosses or signs that said, Jesus 2020, make America godly again. Uh, uh, Jesus saves as people broke through barricades. Some of these signs even being held as people broke into the Capitol building. And when we see this wave of merging nationalism uh, brought together with the gospel, this is something that has to be rejected. This is taking God's name in vain. When we see these kinds of things, these are the things that we have to repent of is when we embrace these ideas and we misrepresent what the true gospel is, what the true kingdom is about. So who are we? And Beach Point, before we go any further as a church, we have to ask that, who are we? What does it mean to follow Jesus and his kingdom? Maybe the most helpful passage we can look at comes in Mark chapter one, where Jesus, Mark, the first words that Mark tells us, Jesus says are these. He says, the time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Mark begins his gospel with the words of Jesus, not with good advice. Uh, you're getting plenty of good advice at the beginning of the year, how to eat better, how to save, how to, how to uh, work out. This is not a, 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 an offer of advice. This is an announcement that demands a response from us. It is an announcement of what it is that God is doing, his kingdom breaking into the world, salvation coming into the world. It's the kind of news as we saw at Christmas that causes the heavens to open. It's the kind of news that you'll see in the verses right before this as Jesus is baptized and the heavens open up and the, the father speaks out about his eternal delight in his son. Listen to him, he says. And they were looking for a savior. They were tired of oppression. And, 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 and I get that, we feel that too. But the salvation he offers the salvation they wanted, they were so different. And Jesus comes announcing his kingdom. And that kingdom requires a response. In fact, what we see even historically is this response of repent and believe this good news. It's something you'll see historically in, in other leaders. And the, and the idea is simply this, that the idea of repent and believe in me is to turn away from any other present course of action and to become loyal to me, uh, to stop giving your loyalty and your allegiance to anyone else and turn and give me your allegiance. Loyalty, devotion to him and him alone is what he calls for. And so this life with Jesus requires a change of heart repentance. 
Repentance is this idea. There's a, it, look, notice, there's a, it's a double imperative, two things. Repentance is the, the turning of our heart, the turning of our mind, the turning of the course of our actions. Whoever we are willing to give our loyalty to, we turn and we give it to him instead. You have not truly believed in Jesus until you have repented, until you have turned your life towards him and chosen him and turned away from any other lifestyle dominated by anything else. And, and faith, to believe, is this word that means to, to, uh, to believe this good news means to have faith, to trust, to give to him and him alone our loyalty. He becomes the leader of our life and his kingdom becomes a priority. These two must happen together. And this was not an easy call then and it's not an easy call now. In fact, the verses that follow say this, that as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And when they had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Uh, to be in that industry in that time, th- this, was, this was their life. It was their livelihood. It was their family. Now, Mark is interesting. He doesn't draw attention to some of the other stories we know that, that uh, come before this. The miraculous catch that we're told about in, in Luke chapter 5. Or, or the way that they become acquainted with Jesus in John chapter one. But what we know is this, is that Mark draws the attention on the response. It is a, a call to be all in, to give their complete loyalty to Jesus, to set aside all other priorities, including family and vocation, their financial security, Every other thing in their life would now fall under their commitment to him. This is what it means to hear the call, follow me. And they were not going to join a cause or a movement. They were called to follow a person, to share their life with the one who they believed was the long-awaited Messiah. what Jesus is saying to us again today is disruptive. It is saying whatever is important in your life, whatever is a priority in your life, it must submit to me. And in our individualistic culture, it may be leaving your family isn't, uh, doesn't sound as dynamic as it would have for them in that day. But can you imagine your career? Can you imagine setting aside your dreams and goals and, and to put everything under to him and to say, I will follow you and you alone? To say everything else will submit to you and you will form how I see these things. So you and I today have to ask the question, what is our boat and what is our net? What is it that we are holding on to? What is it that, that, that makes us feel secure, that gives us a sense of importance and, and value and meaning. And we have to once again say, these things I cast aside, I'm committed to following you. And, and however you ask me to take up, what you ask to take up next, that's what I'm committed to.
And, and so I wanna lead us in uh, two prayers in this moment that I think are so important for who we are going to be as a church moving on from this moment. We, we cannot mix the message of Jesus with anything, with materialism, uh, with power, and certainly not with nationalism or anything else of that sort. We have to follow him and him alone and let him lead us in the way that is everlasting. Romans 12 says it this way, that we look at his grace, we admire what he's done, and we offer ourselves to him as a living sacrifice. Would you pray this prayer? Lord, I am here. I present myself and my will to you as an act of worship. Here I am. In view of his mercy towards you, in view of the cross, in view of the grace of God, in view of all he's done for you, Will you offer yourself today and will you take this prayer and make this the daily prayer for this next season of your life? When your feet hit the floor out of bed, will you say again, Lord, I am here. I present myself and my will to you as an act of worship. To be a living sacrifice means that we jump on the altar again, day after day after day. This is a hard prayer as well. So I'm gonna put a prayer here on the screen and I just want you to take a moment to pray and we'll use the next song as, a, as an extension of that prayer. But pray this, Lord, here's what's on my soul. What are those things? What are those boats? What are those nets? What are those things you're holding on to? What are those things that are convoluting your sense of following him? offer them to him. Take them. They are yours. I am yours. Help me to be with you in these things. Take a moment. Listen to the Spirit. Whisper in love. Don't hold these things any longer. Give me your life. Give me your burdens. Trust me. Turn to me. Follow me. Let's take a moment to pray.
as we follow Jesus, as Bill again invited us to earlier, we will face challenges. Jesus himself said that in this world, there will be troubles, but take heart for I've overcome the world. And when we look at the world right now, we see challenge after challenge. 2020 was the year of COVID and politics. Uh, And if you had hoped that the new year was going to somehow bring some sort of change, well, we are 10 days into 2021 and you go ahead and tell me if it feels like there's any less challenges right now. Through most of the past year, COVID had been a sort of distant threat unless you were working in the medical field for most of us. But as Bonnie shared with us, that has changed. In the past, we'd heard stories about the horrors of New York or of Italy and and of field hospitals and freezer trucks and rationing of care. But that was something that happened far off. That was something that wasn't relevant to us in the same sorts of ways. And now it's here. And while politics may have been heated throughout the past year, I honestly think it all has paled in comparison to me to the events that took place on Wednesday. I know I'm only 27 years old, but that felt unique to me. That felt unique to me in our history. But we also face challenges beyond the the major national news challenges. We each face personal, individual challenges each and every day. Challenges in our marriages, that have grown strained with our finances. Challenges in our own minds as we're bombarded with worry and stress from all sorts of sources. Challenges in our friendships and our relationships with our family as people we love and care for deeply have come to believe all sorts of things we cannot even begin to understand. And the list goes on and on. This is why I'm so thankful that we're doing this series on the book of Daniel right now, because Daniel, the entire book, has one major recurring theme. It's a simple theme that God is always greater than any challenge. And that's as true today as it was for Daniel 2,600 years ago. And so today we're going to look real quickly at at Daniel chapter 2. And this is what it says in Daniel chapter 2. It says, In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, may the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. King Nebuchadnezzar, he issues a challenge to his astrologers. Tell me my dream and interpret it. And the astrologers are upset, 
rather justifiably, I might add, because the king won't even tell them what the dream was in the first place. And so they respond to the king in verse 10. If you jump down, it says, the astrologers answered the king, there is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. And their response, it infuriates Nebuchadnezzar, it says, and the king orders that all the wise men be put to death immediately, including Daniel, who hadn't been involved up until this point. And so Daniel, he goes and he asks for time. And he goes to his friends with that time and they pray. And in their praying, God reveals the king's dream to them. And he reveals its interpretation. Just like with Moses in the courts of Pharaoh or Elijah and the prophets of Baal, God demonstrated once again that he is greater than any challenge. That all the powers and all the, the sorcerers and all the magicians and all those who are seem like they're good at doing these sorts of things pale in comparison to how great God is. God is greater than any challenge. And right now the truth is that people around us will get sick. But God is greater, greater even than death itself. Empires will rise and fall, but God's kingdom is greater and will last forever. Our marriages, our friendships, our worries, and our stresses may seem insurmountable right now, but God is even greater than those. But in the face of those challenges, in the face of each challenge before us, we have to be like Daniel and turn to God in prayer. If Daniel had just said, I don't know the dream, I don't know how to interpret, but I trust that God is greater, and he just walked right up to Nebuchadnezzar and just started talking, I don't know how that story would have gone. Because Daniel didn't do that. Instead, Daniel turned first to prayer. And it is so often in prayer that we are reminded how much greater God really is. I'm sure many of us have seen videos from um, Wednesday, from the attack on the Capitol on Wednesday. Sometimes videos we wished we hadn't seen at all. But one video that has continued to stand out to me since Wednesday uh, is this video of Representative Rochester, who's a, a congresswoman from the state of Delaware. And she was moved to the gallery above the floor of Congress along with her colleagues. Uh, and they were told to, to lie down or sit down behind the chairs and walls to protect them in case of errant gunfire. But Congresswoman Rochester, she didn't sit or lie down. Instead, she knelt. And I wanna encourage you to, to just watch this video for a second. Healing. 
Here is her prayer in that moment as best as I could get it. Father God, you have all power. We know that you make all things work together for the good. So we are trusting you right now in the name of Jesus. We pray for peace in the land, peace in this country, peace in the world right now in the name of Jesus. Protect those who are here to protect us. Protect all of our brothers and sisters in this Congress. Protect America. We thank you right now in this moment. Congresswoman Rochester knew God was always greater than a challenge. She turned to him in prayer. And this is the tricky thing with prayer is that it can be so hard to see, but Congresswoman Rochester believes that God demonstrated to her on Wednesday how great he is, that he protected her and her colleagues that day. And so I wanna invite you this morning to do just what Congresswoman Rochester did, to do just what Daniel did. In the face of your challenge to turn to God with the confidence that he is greater than any challenge. He is always greater than any challenge. And if you feel comfortable or, or capable, I wanna invite you to actually just take the posture of kneeling for a second, of kneeling before God, and then start your prayer this way. Say, Father God, you have all the power. You are greater than any challenge. This is the challenge I am facing right now. This is the challenge I need you in right now. And then pray for whatever that challenge is, for COVID and our, our doctors and our nurses like Bonnie, for the state of the nation that has been freshly revealed to us this week, for the personal challenges you're facing, the individual challenges you're facing in your life right now. Father God, you have all the power. You are greater than any challenge. Let's pray.